You're listening to L-Town Radio, the Livingston Library Podcast. There's practically no limit to what you can learn and see when you belong to the Livingston Library. From science and technology to crafts and genealogy, our library is virtually an information galaxy. This library is yours and this library. Hello and welcome to the January 2021 episode of L-Town Radio, the Livingston Public Library podcast. My name is Joe. I'm a librarian in the Adult Services and Acquisitions Department here at the Livingston Library, and I thank you for tuning in. Well, a new year is upon us, and so in this episode, the usual crew of Katie, Jessica, Archana, and I are going to be looking back on some things we were able to enjoy in this past year, and we'll also look forward to some things we are excited for in the year ahead. I'm also very happy to announce that this episode will feature our very first contribution from one of our library patrons. Later on, Livingston resident Parta Bhattacharya will read a few poems by Nobel Prize-winning writer Rabindranath Tagore, which are all very powerful and beautiful, especially at this moment in time, and I think, dear listener, you will agree. And if you decide you'd also like to contribute something to one of our podcast's episodes in the future, just like Partha, I'll tell you later on how you can do that. But first, to kick this episode off, we have Katie and Jessica talking about their top five reads from 2020. Hi, everyone. It's Katie, Head of Adult Services and Acquisitions. And it's Jessica, Adult Services and Acquisitions Librarian. And we're here today to discuss our top five favorite books of 2020. And without further ado, Jessica will start with her fifth book on the list, and we will count down to our number one. All right, so let's get started. My fifth choice for 2020 is This Is How I Lied by Heather Gudenkoff. Do you like listening to true crime podcasts? Well, I don't, but I do enjoy a good crime story every now and then. I listened to the audiobook of this thriller, and it gave me total true crime podcast vibes. 25 years ago, Eve Knox was brutally murdered. She was just 16 years old. Now her best friend Maggie is assigned to the case following the resurgence of new evidence, a shoe found by two boys. When everyone has a secret, who can be trusted? And who really did kill Eve? You'll have to read it to find out. One thing that I'd like to point out is that Heather Gudenkoff zoomed in to our Bookish Vibes book club meeting this December, and we read this book and we discussed her other novels and this novel with Gudenkoff herself. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. So my fifth book, fifth favorite book of the year was Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno Garcia. I went into this book not knowing anything about the plot, and it turns out this was right up my alley. I don't want to spoil anything, but it's a typical gothic yarn where a young bride falls sick while living in a dilapidated house with her new husband, or has she? This is a type of book that I love, and I am shocked in a good way that it was so popular in the mainstream. 
I'm always happy when horror or science fiction gets picked up by a larger audience since they tend to be a little more niche. Very cool. So my fourth favorite book was Big Lies in a Small Town by Diane Chamberlain. I think Diane Chamberlain is a master storyteller, and her latest book, which was published in the beginning of 2020, is a real page-turner. Taking place in North Carolina in both 2018 and 1940, this novel tells the tale of two artists, small-town secrets, and one painting that unites them despite the decades. Diane Chamberlain will also be joining the Livingston Public Library's Bookish Vibes Book Club on January 11th at 7 p.m., so make sure you mark your calendars if you'd like to Zoom with her. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I also have been putting out a display for our most checked out books for 2020, and Big Lies in a Small Town is on it. Is it? That's Mm -hmm. very cool. So make sure you guys come down to the library and check out our display. So my fourth title is Home Before Dark by Riley Sager. I'm a big fan, fan of Riley Sager in general. I really enjoyed his previous books, most notably The Last Time I Lied. Uh, As you can see from my fifth pick, I was on a gothic horror kick in 2020, and they both books fit the bill perfectly. This is a perfect blend of disorienting hauntings and family drama, and it kept me guessing right until the last page, which is not an easy feat when you've read so much in this genre and not many things surprise me anymore. Uh, My third favorite book of 2020 was Idiot by Laura Clary. I discovered her comedy on YouTube during quarantine, and I adored listening to this audiobook, which at times was funny and at other times sentimental. What I like about biographical audiobooks like this one is that they are often narrated by the author. So listening to the book was like a more in-depth version of watching her videos on YouTube which I enjoyed. Yeah, definitely. I love comedic and humorous stuff like that. So yeah, everybody needs a laugh. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) All right. My pick for number three is The Return by Rachel Harrison, a book that I had zero expectations for, but ended up loving. It explores the friendship of a group of women who reunite after one of their own has gone missing but she's come back a changed woman and could possibly be harboring a dark secret. Mm. This book embodied female friendship and the relationships all rang super true to me. I got one of my other friends to read it and she loved it as well. I'll have to add that one to my to read list. Definitely. Yeah. So my second favorite book of 2020 was How to Bake a Perfect Life by Barbara Barbara O'Neill. In the beginning of 2020, I was reading a lot of books, but as the year progressed, I found myself falling into reading lulls and struggling to find books that captured me. How to Bake a Perfect Life pulled me right out of my reading slump, and I ended up devouring this novel in one evening. The funny thing about this book is that it had sat in my to-read pile for years. The cover depicts like a chiclet novel, which could be why I put off for reading it so long. However, the storyline was deep and enchanting tale about the relationship between mothers and daughters. It's also a good reminder to not judge books by the cover. You never know what you're missing out on. Very, very true words. (laughs) True words. Yeah. Okay. My number two spot was Dead Blondes and Bad Mothers, Monstrosity, Patriarchy, and the Fear of Female Power by Sadie Doyle. 
And this was such a fascinating read. I recommended it to almost everyone I know. I'm a pop culture junkie, and this book was a deep dive into women of the quote-unquote female dark side. Mm. Plus, the T-Rex from Jurassic Park makes an appearance and still reigns supreme. Cool. All right. So I guess we're down to, drumroll please, our number one book picks for 2020. Okay, so my number one pick of 2020 was On Ocean Boulevard by Mary Alice Monroe. I adore all of Mary Alice Monroe's novels, but her Beach House series is my absolute favorite. There is something about returning to the Carolina coast with characters that have become almost like friends that it's just so comforting. In this latest installment, Carrie's niece Leanna returns to Sullivan's Island searching for a new career and carrying a broken heart similar to how Kara returned home 16 years prior, if you read the other novels. This novel is the perfect mixture of a romance, family relationships, and of course, sea turtles. All right, Katie, so what's your top pick of 2020? My top pick is something I'm very excited for. It was Re-Ride Upon Sticks by Quan Berry, and it was by far my favorite book of the year. It follows a field hockey team in Danvers, Connecticut, circa 1989, and whether or not they signed a pact with a dark force by putting their names in an Emilio Estevez notebook. I don't want to say anymore and ruin it for readers, but it's a witty, female-driven book, and it was the most fun I had in 2020. It's just off the wall and everyone I've recommended it to has loved it. It's just a sleeper hit. And I hope everyone has become inspired by the books that we picked. I hope these lists give you something to check out if you have interests like Jessica's or interests like mine. And yes, you can see they're very, very varied in what we read. So hopefully there's just a little sampling for everyone. Thank you very much, Katie and Jessica. And now to talk about some of her favorite reads from the past year, here is Archana. Hello, listeners. I'm librarian Archana, and I'm very happy to share with you some of my favorite reads of 2020. Now, as we know, 2020 has been a year where we all badly needed a distraction from the real world. And more than ever, the respite offered by sinking into the pages of a good book. So here are three of my picks of the past year because they offered entertainment and an escape. They are well-written and page-turning mystery thrillers with vivid characters and tons of suspense. The first one I want to talk about is Time for Mercy by John Grisham. I look forward to Grisham's legal thrillers every year and his latest one doesn't disappoint. Jake Briggins, the hero of A Time to Kill, one of the most popular novels of our time, is back. He returns in this courtroom drama, which is set in Clanton, Mississippi, in the year 1990. Jake finds himself embroiled in a deeply divisive trial when the court appoints him attorney for Drew Gamble, a timid 16-year-old boy accused of murdering a local deputy. Many in Clanton want a swift trial and the death penalty but Briggins digs in and discovers that there is more to the story than meets the eye. Jake's fierce commitment to saving Drew from the gas chamber puts his career, his financial security, and the safety of his family on the line. Besides intense courtroom drama, the book has a lot of wit and character. The other two books I loved to read are what are called modern locked room mysteries. They were perfectly appropriate for 2020, where we all had to deal 
with a lot of confined spaces and isolation. A great locked room mystery revolves around a key set of ingredients, a fixed location, a fixed set of characters, and of course a murder, or maybe multiple murders. One by One by Ruth Ware is one of her newest thrillers, and in this book, a group of employees of Snoop, a trendy London-based tech startup, on a corporate retreat to a picturesque ski lodge in the French Alps, find their getaway horribly disrupted when an avalanche cuts off their access to the outside world. Now, in the confinement of the lodge, the group finds tempers rising, personalities clashing, and long-buried secrets threatening to reappear, especially as soon as one shareholder appends the agenda by pushing a lucrative but contentious buyout offer. And even worse, one snooper hadn't made it back from the slopes when the avalanche hit. As each hour passes without any sign of rescue, panic mounts. The chalet grows colder, and the group dwindles further one by one. Now this is a modernized take on the locked room mystery. It balances cutting-edge technology with superb old-fashioned suspicion and lots of intrigue. The other book I want to talk about is The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Now, she is a new author for me, but this is a highly satisfying suspense novel that takes place during a wedding on an island off the Irish coast. The groom is handsome and charming, a rising television star. The bride is a smart and ambitious magazine publisher. It's a wedding for a magazine or for a celebrity, with the designer dresses, the remote location, the boutique whiskey, and every detail has been expertly planned and will be expertly executed. But... As the champagne is popped and the festivities begin, resentments and petty jealousies begin to mingle with the reminiscences and well wishes. And then someone turns up dead. The story is told from a multitude of perspectives, from diverse characters, from the bride, the groom, uh, the, the ushers, the half-sister, the wedding planner. And each one reveals their fears and their secrets and lies before and during the wedding weekend. And this deliciously wicked and atmospheric thriller makes for a great read. I look forward to more such engrossing page turners to keep myself entertained, especially in the dark and chilly upcoming winter months. Thank you very much. Thank you, Archana. Now, if you've been a regular listener to this podcast or just know me in general, it shouldn't be a surprise that most of my favorite things from this past year have been music-related. This past summer, I talked on the show about some recent albums I've especially loved. One of those is RTJ4, which is the fourth album by Run the Jewels, the hip-hop duo of Killer Mike and LP. The album also features appearances by artists like Pharrell Williams, Mavis Staples, Zach De La Rocha from Rage Against the Machine, and Josh Homme from one of my all-time favorite rock bands, Queens of the Stone Age. Run the Jewels has been making records together since 2013, and their work has always struck that perfect balance between socially relevant and musically satisfying. You know, a lot of times when artists have certain messages they want to get across, the delivery of those messages um, sometimes puts the art uh, side of the music in the backseat, but that is definitely not the case with Run the Jewels. They have a lot to say, and they say it powerfully but they also do it to some of the most innovative and hardest slapping beats you'll ever hear. Uh, their fourth album came out in June, right when topics like racism and police brutality 
economic inequality and media media manipulation were all heating up around the country. And for those reasons, I'd say it was both the best and the most relevant album of 2020. I also really enjoyed an album called That's How Rumors Get Started by the country singer Margot Price. Now, the story of, of that album is also very 2020 in a way, since its release was delayed for a couple of months after Margot's husband came down with a bad case of COVID-19. Um, but because it was recorded before the pandemic, the actual music on the album was unaffected by the virus. It's just a collection of very catchy and smart and emotionally resonant songs about timeless topics, topics like love, loss, and nostalgia. And while Margot Price's excellent singing and songwriting has always drawn from inspirations like Loretta Lynn and the late John Prine, this time around she has a bit more of a rock and roll edge to her sound, not unlike Stevie Nicks or Tom Petty. Speaking of, another new album I really love listening to this year was by the late, great Tom Petty. Uh, I say it's a new album because it was finally released this past year, although it was recorded all the way back in 1994. I've been a big, uh, a big fan of Tom Petty since even before then, since uh, his album Full Moon Fever was all over the radio around 1989, 1990. And back then I was about 12, uh, 10 years old, and I was listening almost exclusively to hard rock and heavy metal bands like Guns N' Roses and Aerosmith, but like most mere mortals, I couldn't resist the shimmering majesty of Tom Petty songs like I Won't Back Down and Free Fallen. And then when I saw Axl Rose himself join Petty to sing Free Fallen on stage at the MTV Awards, it made me think that he had to be one of the coolest dudes in the history of America. And as the 90s went on, uh, my musical taste continued gravitating toward harder stuff like Nirvana and the Wu-Tang Clan in my adolescence. I still had time for Tom Petty, and for a while he, he might have even been the only non-grunge or non-gangster rap musician I was into, except for maybe Billy Joel, but I don't count Billy Joel because where I grew up, which is Long Island, you were basically born into Billy Joel fandom, not unlike... Uh, New Jersey, uh, and Bruce Springsteen. But anyway, Tom Petty put out a fantastic album in 1994 called Wildflowers, which might even be the best album he ever made. It's the one with You Don't Know How It Feels, and It's Good to Be King, and You Wreck Me. And not only is the songwriting consistently great, but the album also highlights just about all the various shades of Tom Petty's musical palette from punchy pop rock to softer, folkier ballads. And it was actually supposed to be a double album. Uh, but eventually, Petty and his record company and his producer, that would be Rick Rubin, who before then had worked mainly with rap and metal acts like the Beastie Boys and Slayer, they decided that what Wildflowers would be better off as a regular length single album and so about half the songs were shelled for later. But then this past year, Wildflowers was re-released as the double album it was originally conceived as. And so I was very happy to hear that all the songs that initially ended up on the cutting room floor 
are also really, really good. And I feel confident saying that pound for pound, it might still be the best Tom Petty album ever. And you can listen to Wildflowers and all the rest, that double album, along with the latest albums by Margot Price and Run the Jewels on HooplaDigital.com using your Livingston Library card. I did also read some great new books this year, and yes, my favorites are also quite musical. One I really loved is called Bowie, Stardust, Ray Guns, and Moon Age Daydreams, which is a graphic novel about David Bowie's rise to rock stardom in the late 60s and early 70s. And though the book is a graphic novel, it's credited as being uh, directed by Michael Allred with a screenplay by Michael Allred and Steve Horton, and Technicolor Cinematography by Laura Allred. And they're not just being pretentious. This book truly is a cinematic experience with vibrant, glamorous, psychedelic sci-fi imagery that looks exactly the way Bowie's music sounds. Um, There's also a book that came out recently called How to Write One Song by Jeff Tweedy of the band Wilco. Uh, Jeff Tweedy wrote a really good memoir uh, of his music career that was published a couple years ago called Let's Go So We Can Get Back. Uh, That book revealed Tweedy to be just as good of a prose writer as he is a musician and songwriter, though it's not necessarily a book I'd recommend to someone who wasn't already familiar with Jeff Tweedy. But his new book, though, is not only every bit as well-written as his last one, but I'd say it's far more accessible, too. Uh, Again, it's called How to Write One Song, and that's literally what it's about. So let's say even if you're not already into Jeff Tweedy's music, but you're a musician who'd be curious to read some advice about songwriting from, from a master of the craft, this book is for you. But I also think it has a lot of good advice for artists and creators of all kinds, not just musicians. Um, There's an excerpt on the back of the dust jacket uh, that I think sums it up pretty well. It says, uh, I'd like to dedicate this hopeful little book to all the songs to come, yours and mine, to all of those moments yet to unfold where we find ourselves awake to a possibility we hadn't anticipated. To all of the songs like Windows open just enough for us to make our escape, and to all of the songs like Windows closed and clear enough in a dim light to see our own reflection and be reminded of who we are. Again, that book is How to Write One Song by Jeff Tweedy. Uh, Like the Bowie graphic novel, you can also get it through the Livingston Public Library, and if our copies aren't available, we'll get one from one of the other libraries in the Buckles system. And those are my two favorite books of 2020. Now, looking ahead to 2021, one book I am very much looking forward to is by one of my favorite writers, George Saunders. Uh, he's written, uh, he wrote the novel Lincoln and the Bardo. He, uh, before that, wrote almost only short stories. His collection, 10th of December, is really good, and Civil Warland and Bad Decline is also fantastic. Um, he has a new book coming out 
in the first month of 2021 called A Swim in a Pond in the Rain, in which four Russians give a master class on writing, reading, and life. Um, so now he's gone from fiction to analysis of fiction. Um, he's been teaching a class on Russian short stories in his MFA class at Syracuse University for about 20 years now. And um, in this book, he uh, examines short stories by writers like Chekhov and Tolstoy and Gogol. And the book is a collection of essays uh, that is described as being intended for anyone interested in how fiction works and why it's more relevant than ever in these turbulent times. Um, interestingly enough, on the last podcast, I mentioned uh, how I might spend this winter kind of reading Russian fiction, which is something I've, I've been known to do in the wintertime. And, and fortunately enough for me, I, I found that this book is also coming out. So I'm excited to read that book and also read some of the stories that are examined in that book. And now let's welcome back to the show, Katie, who's going to tell us what she is excited to read in 2021. Hi, podcast listeners. It's Katie here. And I want to talk about my upcoming 2021 most anticipated read for myself. I believe in past podcasts, I've described how Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child's Pendergast series is my favorite book series out there right now. And they actually last year did a spinoff of two of the female characters from that into their own series. And the first book in that was really great, and I uh, loved it, and I got really excited because the first book, Old Bones, came out, and now they're following it up with a second book called The Scorpion's Tale, which is due out in January. And following Old Bones, the second happily anticipated new thriller and Preston Child's new series will once again feature Nora Kelly, archaeologist at the Santa Fe Archaeological Institute, and FBI agent Corey Swanson investigating a new case that requires both their skills. The first book in the series, Old Bones, was about the Donner Party, and it was fabulous. And I'm really excited that these two strong female characters from the Pendergast series get their own books and... There maybe is a cameo from Agent Pendergast himself, but I guess we'll find out more in January when this comes out. So I hope it lives up to all of my hype. See you soon. Thanks very much, Katie. And now to tell us about some of the exciting programs on our January 2021 calendar. Once again, here's Archana. Hello, podcast listeners. This is librarian Archana. And I would first like to wish you and your families a very happy and healthy 2021. We have some exciting virtual programs coming your way in January, and I wanted to highlight a few of these. Are you looking for ways to stay in touch with nature throughout the winter? Learn how to enhance your life and home by bringing the green indoors in this virtual presentation by a master gardener on the morning of January 5th at 11 a.m. This program entitled Art, History and Benefits of Indoor Gardening is a photographic slide presentation that will include a brief history of indoor gardening, choosing and caring for the right house plants, decorating with live plants and the health benefits of having house plants in your home. 
Our next morning program takes place on January 13th at 11 a.m. Now, have you found yourself cooking more at home during the pandemic and are looking for a new kitchen gadget to master? Were you gifted an instant pot this past holiday and haven't gotten around to dusting it off and gathering up the courage to use it? Join Jennifer Shuketis, a faculty member in the Department of Family and Community Health Sciences at Rutgers Cooperative Extension as she unlocks the secrets of the instant pot and shows you how to create healthy and safe meals in a matter of minutes. Next, I would like to highlight a couple of health programs we are offering this month. Now, starting in January, the library is presenting a virtual cancer education series in collaboration with the Center for Asian Health at the St. Barnabas Medical Center and the Rutgers Cancer Institute of New Jersey. The presenters are community cancer control specialists from the Rutgers Institute. The first program takes place on January 22nd at 11 a.m. and it's called Cancer and Genetics. It explains the hereditary and lifestyle risk factors for cancer. You can discover best practices for reducing or managing your personal cancer risk and understand why you might have heightened risk. It will also provide information on genetic risk assessment and genetic testing resources. The second program in February has to do with eating healthy for cancer prevention. And the third program in March will deal with nutrition for colorectal health and cancer prevention. And you can register for one or more of the programs in the series. The other health program I wanted to talk to you about is on January 25th at 7pm called Boost Your Immunity with the Magic of Spices. Adding spices is an easy way to create variety and expand the flavors of your meals and load up on the immune-boosting properties of your food. Join health coach Jyoti Nebnani as she introduces five must-have spices for your kitchen pantry that will help boost flavor and immunity, among other benefits. She will also suggest easy ways to incorporate spices, like cumin and turmeric, for example, into your everyday meals, and suggest simple recipes. Now, besides these highlighted programs, we have quite a few others on our calendar for January so please take a look and register and hope to see you in the Zoom chat room for some or all of these. Thank you. Thank you very much, Archana. With that in mind, I just want to take a moment to talk about a program that I will be hosting in January. Um, it's the latest installment of our virtual book club, Unstuck in Time, where we read and discuss science fiction books that were published at least 25 years ago and we discuss on Zoom uh, not just the book, but what that book may have to say about the way we live now in 2020. And the book we will be reading and discussing on our meeting on January 26th, which is a Tuesday at 7 p.m., is Ursula K. Le Guin's 1969 book, The Left Hand of Darkness, which tells the story of a lone human emissary's mission to an unknown alien world whose inhabitants can choose and change their gender. His goal is to facilitate the planet's inclusion in a growing intergalactic civilization, but to do so he must bridge the gulf between his own views and those of the completely dissimilar culture that he encounters. Exploring questions of psychology, society, and human emotion in an alien world the Left Hand of Darkness stands as a landmark achievement in the annals of science fiction. Again, that'll be the meeting of Unstuck in Time 
Tuesday, January 26th at 7 p.m. It'll be virtual on Zoom. So be sure to register if you want to take part. Uh, You can do that on our calendar, which you can access through our website, livingstonlibrary.org. And now I'm happy to welcome to L-Town Radio our very first patron contributor. First, though, I I just want to tell everyone how special this is, on top of it being our first contribution from a patron. You see, this next segment comes from Livingston resident Partha Bhattacharya, whose wife Simona used to work here at the Livingston Library. Sadly, Simona passed away from cancer back in March of this year, and that news hit our staff awfully hard. When our director, Amy Babcock Landry, made the announcement to us, she said that Simona was, and I quote, a truly remarkable woman and was one of the kindest people I have ever known. And I think Amy's words seem to sum up the feelings of everyone here who had the pleasure of working with Simona as well. And so this past month, Simona's husband, Parta, sent us a recording of him reading four extraordinary poems by the Nobel Prize-winning writer Rabindranath Tagore. The first two poems are about grief, and the next two are about hope. Parta told me that these poems really hit home for him and provided him with comfort. And I hope, dear listeners, that they might do the same for you. Partha Bhattacharya from Livingston, New Jersey, December 21, 2020. I shall read two poems on grief by Rabindranath Tagore and two poems on hope. All the English translations were done by Rabindranath. The father came back from the funeral rites. His boy of seven stood at the window, eyes wide open, a pendant hanging from his neck, full of thoughts too difficult for his age. His father took him in his arms, and the boy asked him, Where is mother? In heaven, answered the father, pointing to the sky. The boy raised his eyes to the sky and long gazed in silence. His bewildered mind sent abroad into the night the question, Where is heaven? No answer came, and the stars seemed like the burning tears of that ignorant darkness. Second poem on grief. Death thy servant is at my door. He has crossed the unknown sea and brought thy call to my home. The night is dark and my heart is fearful, yet I will take up the lamp, open my gates and bow to him my welcome. It is thy messenger who stands at my door. I will worship him with folded hands and with tears. I will worship him, placing at his feet the treasure of my heart. He will go back with his errand done, leaving a dark shadow on my morning. And in my desolate home, only my forlorn self will remain as my last offering to thee. Now on hope. In desperate hope, I go and search for her in all the corners of my room. I find her not. 
My house is small and what once has gone from it can never be regained. But infinite is thy mansion, my Lord, and seeking her I have come to thy door. I stand under the golden canopy of thine evening sky and I lift my eager eyes to thy face. I have come to the brink of eternity from which nothing can vanish, no hope, no happiness, no vision of a face seen through tears. Oh, dip my emptied life into that ocean, plunge it into the deepest fullness. Let me for once feel that lost sweet touch in the allness of the universe. Last poem on hope. Let me not pray to be sheltered from dangers, but to be fearless in facing them. Let me not beg for the stealing of my pain, but for the heart to conquer it. Let me not look for allies in life's battlefield, but to my own strength. Let me not crave in anxious fear to be saved, but hope for the patience to win my freedom. Grant me that I may not be a coward, feeling your mercy in my success alone, but let me find the grasp of your hand in my failure. Thank you so much, Partha. And listeners, here's some more info on those poems, if you're interested. The first poem is the 21st poem in uh, Rabindranath Tagore's book, The Fugitive, originally published in 1916. The second and third poems you heard both come from the book Gitanjali, or Song Offerings, published in 1910. The last one comes from Fruit Gathering, published in 1916. All these works are in the public domain, and if you want to read more work by Rabindranath Tagore, there are plenty you can check out with your Livingston Library card. They're available in print or as ebooks through hoopladigital.com. Now, do you also have some poems that are especially meaningful to you that you like to read for our podcast listeners? Or do you want to tell everyone about a book you've recently enjoyed, a library program you're excited about, a memorable experience you've had at the library, or just about anything library or book-related that you want to share with our community of listeners. If you are interested, email us at livysocial at gmail.com. That's L-I-V-I, social at gmail.com. Please be so kind as to tell us your name, your age, a brief description of your submission, and of course, don't forget to attach your submission recorded as a WAVE MP3 or M4A audio file. And ideally, your sh- submission should be a few minutes in length, not much longer than that. Please note, we may not be able to respond to every submission we receive, but if we do choose to use your submission in one of our episodes, we will definitely be in touch with you before we release it. Submissions may also be edited for time and content if necessary, and keep in mind we cannot consider any submissions involving self-promotion, solicitations, or other forms of advertisement. Well, that's about it for this episode of L-Town Radio. Thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. I hope you'll tune in again next month. Uh, thank you to Katie, Jessica, Archana, and Partha for your contributions. As always, you can listen and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google, Google Podcasts. 
Don't forget, you can follow us all over the internet on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, not to mention our daily blog, which is blog.livingstonlibrary.org. And of course, we'll hope you'll come visit us in person since we are very much open. We're open for browse and borrow Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. We're open for contactless pickup Mondays and Thursdays. And starting in the new year, we will once again be open on Sunday afternoons. Um, Of course, our website, livingstonlibrary.org, has all information about our hours, social distancing policies, and other relevant information, including a link to our event calendar, where you can check out and register for all our upcoming programs. Until next time, be safe, be kind, always be curious, and have a happy 2021.